Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to go through listener feedback we received about Crisis on Infinite Earths parts one through three. It's going to be a lot to go through, but everybody had lots of thoughts and we need to get into them. But first, we need to catch up on the news. Tyler Lee has opened up about her struggles with bipolar disorder, which she received a diagnosis of 10 years ago. She told Prevention.com, quote, I knew the makings of bipolar disorder were there at a young age, but I didn't know what it was at the time, unquote. To help us discuss this issue, uh, I think the best thing to do is to go through this article from Prevention.com that covers her story and uh, covers the bipolar disorder facts and uh, descriptions of what's going on with that. So prevention.com says bipolar disorder is a mental health condition that causes episodes of extreme mood swings alternating between highs, mania, and lows, depression, according to the National Institute of Mental Health. A person going through a manic episode may feel elevated, energized, and reckless, while a depressive episode can result in total loss of energy, trouble concentrating, and feelings of hopelessness. An estimated 7 million Americans live with bipolar disorder, including Kyler Lee and her mother. In fact, Lee says she recognized many of the symptoms her mother experienced in herself, recklessness, mood swings, and trouble sleeping. But, quote, because I was put in a position to support my mother, I didn't get the opportunity to speak about my own feelings when I was in my teens, unquote. She says, back then, feeling a lack of total control over her mind and body, Lee tried to make up for it by controlling everything around her. She recalls always being the, quote, dominant one who called the shots, unquote, in her friend group. Quote, I suppressed this for years and it continued to get worse, unquote, she says. Quote, I closed off and developed a shell around me, unquote. Lee continued to slip between episodes of mania and depression well into her 20s, but she pushed forward and put all of her energy into her blossoming acting career and growing family. The Grey's Anatomy star met her husband Nathan West two weeks shy of her 17th birthday, and they, quote, jumped right into life very quickly, unquote. The two married and had three kids before Lee was 27. Quote, there was so much going on and no time for me to feel, unquote, she says, adding that all three of her children were dealing with their own list of health issues, including Asperger's, autism, ADHD, and epilepsy. 
Quote, I was raising kids while still trying to grow up, unquote. She found an escape through work, which included starring as Lexi Gray in Grey's Anatomy. Quote, I was experiencing such a high version of mania and irritability that I couldn't sleep or eat and I was angry and reckless, unquote, Lee says. Quote, I would go to work and use that adrenaline and expend my energy and feelings there and then I would come home exhausted, unquote. As her symptoms continued to escalate, she knew she couldn't ignore them any longer. Lee eventually sat down with her therapist but admits that she initially, quote, talked her way through, unquote, her sessions to, quote, get a cocktail of prescriptions, unquote. Uh, my goal was to feel nothing, Lee says. I did so and I completely obliterated my ability to be able to manage such a colorful and diverse family. I destroyed it. Lee finally reached a breaking point after turning 29 and voluntarily checked herself into a hospital under an alias. Quote, I was constantly hiding layers of myself trying to come off as pretty and palatable, unquote, she says. Quote, I wanted to pass off as I'm doing fine, but when I went to the hospital, it was very clear that I was not, unquote. After a week-long stay, Lee received her diagnosis of bipolar disorder 2, I guess it is, uh, 17 years after she experienced initial symptoms. Ultimately, the thought of her family and her childhood pushed her to seek help. Quote, I was so terrified of my past, she says. I was so worried about turning into all of the things I hated when I was growing up, but it was life or death. I was going to make a change or I couldn't be here anymore, unquote. A year after her diagnosis, Lee decided to leave Grey's Anatomy during its eighth season. Quote, our daughter was two and having severe seizures. It was a critical time, unquote, she says. Quote, coming off the show was a collective choice. I had so much support, especially from my husband, unquote. Today, Lee is opening up about her journey and encouraging others to seek help through the Be Vocal, Speak Up for Mental Health initiative. She manages her bipolar disorder with daily medication and therapy. Quote, I still have things I'm working on, but I'm constantly on a path of healing and awareness, she says. My diagnosis isn't giving me limitations. It's telling me how I can function. I use it to my advantage and find creative ways to expend my energy like stunt work, unquote. And when she feels low... Her husband has been a tremendous rock uh, in her life. Together, they encourage their own children to have conversations about their mental health so they feel heard and understood. Lee has come a long way from her early years of feeling angry, confused, and isolated, and she hopes that sharing her story will inspire others to come forward with their own struggles and pave a path forward towards self-acceptance. Quote, I want people to know that they're not alone and there are millions of people in the same boat. The more we talk about mental health, the greater the positive impact, unquote. So I know that was a long article, uh, but I thought that that really covered her story pretty well and used a lot of her own words to uh, talk about what she's going through. So Morgan, do you have any thoughts? I just think it's really powerful that she's opening up and, and talking about this. I think one of the problems that people have is that there's sort of a stigma related around talking about mental health issues. And I think just by her coming out and talking about her experiences, she's breaking down that stigma and, you know, encouraging people to talk about it, to get treatment, to like find help. So I think that's really awesome um, what she's doing. Yeah. So that's, it's not something that I knew a lot about in terms of bipolar. I had heard of bipolar, but I didn't understand what was going on there. So I'm glad that she's talking about that just to sort of educate people on what that's like and how to recognize some of those symptoms. Is it Chris Woods that has like um another like a mental health um 
I don't want to say charity, but like um, organization that's all about talking about it and like ending stigma. Yeah, that's uh, I don't mind is what it's called. Yeah, so it's 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 cool that the the Supergirl cast is really involved in in those kind of in those kind of efforts to um, to make talking about mental health and and getting you know mental health treatment more accessible and 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 easier. Yeah, I think that's great. It's a, a a good use of their celebrity and their their platforms to be able to encourage people to talk about that. Yeah, I just feel like the uh, I feel like the cast of Supergirl, especially in like in the last couple months have been really brave about like opening up about their personal issues. Um because you know, we had Melissa talking about her issue with domestic violence. Now we have Kyler talking about her issues with like mental health. I th- just think it's really cool that they're you know, sort of putting it out there and, and modeling for other people that, you know, we go through problems just like everybody else does. And it's okay to like reach out and get help. Yeah, that's very, very important. So uh, we really appreciate Kyler talking about that. Um, So switching uh, topics entirely. Um, <laughs> There's still no to- <laughs> good segue for it. How do There's you do no it? Segue. I'm sorry. <laughs> According to Deadline.com, the magical menace called uh, i think you gave me this one to read on purpose, Rebecca, <laughs> i and, did actually and, and I resent it <laughs> um okay the mat i'm sure everybody at this point is like i think i know what's coming <laughs> you you do it's it's me mispronouncing this the magical menace called menace called mizzy's pillick very close nick's is Pitalix? Yeah, there you go. I made him uh, plural. <laughs> <laughs> you know the whole Pitalix family. <laughs> Man, I want to see a, a, a mixed chest Pitalix family family now. The, the Miz is, is Pitalix. And then like that exclamation point at the end. <laughs> um, uh, so he's returning to National City. Uh, Thomas Lennon uh, from The Slate is set to reoccur as the Mercurial, Mm. I can't pronounce anything, (laughs) trickster in the fifth season of the CW's Supergirl. Um, Ms. Yizpitalik, Mm. a.k.a. Mixie, is the impish reality-bending trickster from the fifth dimension who previously visited National City to woo Cara Danvers, a.k.a. Supergirl, but created chaos in the process. Uh, British actor Peter Gaudio Gaudio, portrayed Ms. Yizpitalik. They put that a lot in this article. Oh, God. I think they they did this on purpose, (laughs) and I'm mad at them now, too. Uh, (laughs) uh, For that two-part season two adventure, but the transition to Lennon is smoothed by the character's handy reputation as a shapeshifter, with an unpredictable nature. Are you excited about seeing Mixia's Pitalik again? So I'm mad at Supergirl because I feel like they did this to spite me personally <laughs> because I cannot pronounce that name uh, no matter how hard I try. Mixia's Pitalik uh, and I, uh, we have beef going way back <laughs> from the first time I tried to pronounce that name and it was like, I don't know. <laughs> I am I am excited to see him back in the mix. I don't know... Uh, it sounds like he's going to, like, reoccur. He's going to be in multiple episodes, potentially. I don't know, you know, how they're going to fit him in, like, more than once or twice into the story. But I am kind of excited to see him come come up. I thought I thought his, his episode in season two was pretty fun. Um, so 
we'll see. I mean, there's a new actor playing him. So I think that'll also be interesting to see like what the the new guy brings to that role. Yeah, that episode was titled Mr. and Mrs. Mixias Pitalix. So they almost had a Mixias Pitalix. There could have been a series, <laughs> the Mixias Pitalix. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry that Peter Gaudio is not going to be playing him anymore. I thought he did a really good job, but... Uh, I like Thomas Lennon a lot. I think he's a really funny actor. He's a great comedian. So he'll probably bring a lot of that uh, comedic charisma to the part. And uh, that could make for a lot of really um, outlandish, uh, over-the-top kind of mixtures piddling. So that could be a different take on the character. So I'm excited that he's coming back. I think he's an he's an awesome villain for Kara. She outsmarted him with the orange juice before so uh so that i i hope we get to see more of car using her brain and uh, using her smarts to outsmart him i forgot about the orange juice thing because i have a a comicer girl yeah um supergirl drinking orange juice shirt that like directly references that episode and yet i was still like what was it the episode in season two yes it was uh the orange juice from mr and mrs mixes pedalic that was the way she defeated uh, Mixie in the Fortress. So uh, I, that's what I'm looking forward to is getting to see more of that uh, that Supergirl using her brain to defeat a villain. I think that'll be very exciting. Well, uh, just for some fun news, uh, December 14, on December 14th, the Supergirl cast and crew gathered at Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel in Vancouver, British Columbia to celebrate the show's 100th episode. So they have completed the 100th episode uh and they threw a big party they had a big cake and everything uh so everybody showed up looking their best and we had a request morgan from new rachel to do a boardroom or ballroom about what people wore to the party are you wanting to do this are you into this sure of course i want to do this (laughs) um (laughs) i'm i'm uh i was born ready for this And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Okay, let's let's get into this. So I'm looking at the group photo. I'm feeling the group photo. Uh, <laughs> everyone looks great. First off, probably should say that. Uh, <laughs> let's get into Mel- Melissa. How how would you describe her dress? Uh, it has a lot of ruffles would those be so many ruffles um i like it though because it looks a sort of old-fashioned it looks very down to earth she's got her shoulders out she has her shoulders out which is a real power move (laughs) she's like (laughs) she's like uh everybody else is here and they look wonderful but guess who's still mine That's what those shoulders are telling me. She is commanding the room. <laughs> she does. She does. You're right. It does have like an old timey feel to it. She does kind of look like um, she would be the person in like Pride and Prejudice that everybody would whisper about because she like has her shoulders out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the perfect description of that <laughs> Mr. Dawson, don't look at her. She's indecent. <laughs> But she looks great. She looks great. But she does look great. I think I think Kyler's uh, she's like in a sparkle jumpsuit. 
I like it. She's like, she's serving us some pants. She's serving us some like shoulders, but she also kind of looks like a sparkly black disco ball. It kind of, it's a, it's a very like, Hey, new year, new me. It's almost 2020. This is like, this is like the outfit you wear to like your New Year's Eve party. And then as you like have to realize you have to go to the bathroom, you you realize that all of those uh, sparkles are going to just scratch your way (laughs) when you're taking that thing off. You're like, Oh God, it was a mistake. That's, that's the, but you're so committed to the look. You're like, that, like beauty is pain as you're taking it off. So that's, that's, the, that's the Kyler look. <laughs> I apologize to everybody on the cast. <laughs> uh, uh, I think, um, oh God. Uh, Ozzy Tesfai? Ozzy, is it? Are you talking about Kelly? Yeah, Kelly. I always forget her first name for some reason. I remember Tesfai, but I was like, that, that. It can't be it, can it? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's Ozzy Tesfai. Uh, yeah, yeah. Her look is really cute. It's like, it's green, so she's kind of like, you know, it's the 100th episode, but tis the season. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys all look pretty sharp. I was excited to see Chris Woods, ba- Woods back. I was like, does that mean that we're going to get a little Monel uh, cameo at some point? But it, it could probably just be because he was coming to support his wife. Sure, <laughs> sure. That could be Either it. or. Either or, I like I, I like what uh what D- David Harewood's got going on. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't understand it, but I like it. It's like, is it is it a zip up denim blazer? It looks like it on top of like dress pants, or are those? I mean, the pants are very shiny. They almost look like leather pants. I was gonna say I don't want to accuse anyone of wearing leather pants. I'm just saying. <laughs> them be shiny pants (laughs) and also i would have to respect anyone who's like this is what i'm wearing i'm wearing leather (laughs) pants a belt a nice a a nice button-down shirt over top of that a denim zip-up blazer (laughs) that's that's my look come at me come at me what do you got to say (laughs) the answer is nothing nothing that that look deserves respect you can't talk back to that look <laughs> that is the look of a confident person and i love it <laughs> i really like uh jesse rasu yes i think he looks really nice he looks so sharp and the, the tie is really cool too it's all like really pulled together all the gray gray on gray yeah i think he looks the best probably of the guys but but they all but they all look really nice new guy whose name i don't remember um i i like he he likes looks nice and formal i don't know that i like like a t-shirt in like a suit thing like i don't know that i love that look it seems to be kind of common but i i I, if you're gonna do the suit go all the way that that's my i feel like if you're gonna go do the go the suit route and i'm not a men's fashion expert so I'm not a fashion expert of any kind, <laughs> uh, but I feel like you, you should go with the dress Jesse Rack look, like go all the way or on the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> go to the David Harewood. Do, do you have a weird jacket in your closet? Go ahead and throw it over there. <laughs> Bus- business underneath, party on top. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, amazing looks there. Uh, <laughs> scrolling down this document. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Julie Gonzalez has like a cool power suit thing going. I feel like she's really channeling her character, mm-hmm. maybe channeling some like Lena Luther there. I like it. Uh, Nicole has like a real like rockabilly vibe that I like. It's like ni- like a 1950s, like she's going to uh, like a grease party or something. <laughs> she, her whole look, I would describe as grease is the word. And I love it. <laughs> It's been a while since I've seen somebody wear a poodle skirt. Yes, the poodle. You know that the poodle skirt is a lost art that she's bringing back. She's like, I want the poodle skirt, and she's also got that thing where like the hair curls up, like the old fashioned like pinup hair she's got rocking. Moving on, uh, we've got Katie McGraw in like a like a floral like a floral outfit. Like a so much is happening. <laughs> There's so many. There's so many flowers on it, and it's they're so tiny that it's it's giving me a little bit of like a like a gentle seasickness when I stare at it too long. <laughs> it's like, is the pattern moving or am I? I don't know, uh, and I feel like that's probably what she was going for. She's just like like Lena Luther. She just wants to throw you off your game a little bit. <laughs> And she's got her shoulders covered up. I'm a little she's disappointed. She's got her shoulders covered up. I think she's like, listen, it's not my night. <laughs> it's it's Melissa's night. And she's got to have those shoulders out. <laughs> <laughs> she's got like the square neckline, which I always feel like is, is it can work and it can sometimes not work. Like she does have a little bit of that like sort of Regency vibe going on, but like if the <laughs> if you crossed like a, a cool Regency outfit with like um a couch cushion maybe <laughs> that's I think the, <laughs> there's a lot going on in this floral dress. What do you think about the hair? The curly hair? I don't hate the curly hair. I think it's cute. I I, I think I prefer her straight hair, but I, I like that she's I, I like that she's trying something new with the hair. It looks shorter too, but I think that that might be because it's curly. Oh, maybe as a curly hair person. Like when you when you get it really curly, it bounces up. Yeah. Sometimes I'll get when I get my hair cut and it's got less weight on it, it'll bounce up a little bit more. I made the uh, the mistake in high school of getting what I thought was going to be a cute flippy haircut um, <laughs> because back then that was really in, you know, like early season Veronica Mars. Sure. I was like, I'm going to be just like Veronica Mars. Don't do that if your hair is curly because it's not going to flip is what I can tell you. Uh, but it is going to curl up in a very strange way. So... <laughs> Just just some free hair advice from from my high school self to you. I miss my curls. I had straight hair my whole life. And then when I went through chemo and my hair grew back, I had curls for like a year. And I really liked having curly hair. Yeah, curly hair is not too bad. I feel like it's one of those age old things where like if you have curly hair, you kind of always want to have straight hair. Well, but it was weird because I got my hair cut and the curls went away, and my hair is normal. Really? That is weird. It is very strange. Um, but yeah, so I like I like Katie's curls. We have Andrea Brooks in... So I, I, I'm going to steal this because <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. I can't remember if Rebecca sent this to, uh, to me or Andy or somebody sent this to, to, to me. <laughs> I think I did. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's perfect. I can't think of anything else now when I look at her outfit. <laughs> Uh, it was somebody had tweeted a picture of her in her uh, 100th episode outfit next to uh, Amy Poehler. 
as <laughs> as the mom in Mean Girls. She's like a cool mom. She's uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not regular mom. I'm a cool mom, uh, and that is a hundred percent what she's wearing. It's like, that's a hundred percent the outfit. It's amazing. It even has that kind of like velour look to it. <laughs> it's incredible i i personally i love it i think that that's 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 commitment to a look and i love it like i the theme of my outfit is pink uh it's it's like almost the exact same outfit it's amazing it looks very comfortable and then uh finally we have lois um i don't know the actress's actual name and i probably should elizabeth tulloch elizabeth Tulloch, yeah. And I like her outfit. I like her dress. It's kind of cool. It's kind of, it's got a little bit of like a flapper vibe to mm, it. A little bit. Yeah, it's got, like, there's, there's a little bit of like the 1920s in it, but like reimagined for today, I guess. Yeah, in the 1920s, I don't think the, the, it would be so short. I think it would be a little longer. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And she would like have like a bob haircut and probably like, hey, daddy or whatever <laughs> the sign was. <laughs> That's definitely 50s. I'm still I'm still with Nicole's outfit. <laughs> yeah, no, I think everybody looks great at the 100th party. I think there were some some really good looks everybody was serving. I think everybody uh looked like well put together. Looks like a I mean the cake was the cake was a little weird. Like what was the what let's boardroom or ballroom the cake. What was the cake going for? I think it was supposed to be like the the crystal control center in the fortress of solitude i don't know what that's called like the crystal control panel but then with like a cape dying on it (laughs) it's a weird choice there has to be something else that you could do there are some odd odd choices going on with with the cake and like what do you think that cake tasted like i don't know it just looks so it looks so strange i bet it tasted uh like a lot of fondant but (laughs) But it's definitely like it's it's cool looking. I just don't understand a lot of what it chooses to be. Yes. Also, like in the picture of Melissa right next to the cake, there's also like a full scale Phantom of the Opera candelabra behind her. So I have like I feel like I have a lot of questions about what this party was like. What was happening after they snapped these red carpet pictures? Were they all like (laughs) just singing to each other? Yeah, that is notable and i didn't see it at first but now that you mention it that is a little weird maybe that was like supposed to be in place of you know how people put candles on birthday cakes maybe maybe they're maybe what if they they lit the candle the candelabra and then she blew that out and they were like we can't put it on the cake it'll melt (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i'm guessing that's the that's the less weird version of that that I can think of for there to be that those uh, very elegant candles, yeah. Uh, in the back, I mean, it is a cake, right? It's not an ice sculpture. Yeah, no, I think it's a cake because I saw pictures of her cutting it. Okay, that does make more sense. Actually, when I zoom in on it, it's definitely a cake. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there might be some like sugar work ice stuff like on the bottom of the cake, like ice crystals on the bottom of the cake that look more crystally but like the top definitely looks yeah. like a lot of fondant <laughs> but uh yeah i think it looked like everybody had a really good time i just noticed that uh that we did not get an invitation i i am i am surprised about that i will say 
when I saw the pictures come out, I thought, I guess it got lost in the mail. You know, it's the holidays, maybe. <laughs> maybe they forgot to deliver it. Maybe we just didn't. We just, we missed it. And this has been Lena Luther, Boardroom or Ballroom. Thank you for getting us through uh, Boardroom or Ballroom. Very fun. Um, okay, so let's get into the uh, meat of this episode. Uh, so we're going to look at the feedback that we got from all of our listeners uh, from Crisis on Infinite Earths Parts 1 through 3. Uh, because we thought that we had not heard from the listeners. We, you all heard our thoughts on our live crossover event. Uh, so we're going to actually go through everyone else's thoughts uh, and and see what you guys had to say about it. So we're going to start with the tweets that we got after part one aired, which was the Supergirl episode. So Morgan, do you want to take us through those tweets? Sure. I am <clears throat> ready. All right. <laughs> um, our, <laughs> our first tweet is from at SL Fricky, who said, don't cry for Argo. If there was a 1% chance that Gazebo was our enemy, then we had to take it as a 100% certainty, <laughs> and it had to be destroyed. That son of a bench brought the war to us. <laughs> that That is a quality Batman v Superman reference right there. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, can Brainy be written as a slightly more sarcastic way more often? Um, hope. Um, heaven's operating at peak efficiency now. Uh, that's no! <laughs> that's going on the assumption that Hope was destroyed when Earth thirty eight uh, was destroyed. Oh, I refuse! To, I refuse to accept that. I feel like they got they they, they bailed out the jails first, obviously, <laughs> clearly, uh, and they got they got Hope out. I mean, you know, eventually when all the other, when everything uh, got wiped out, she did get wiped out. But <laughs> I'm assuming that Lena went back in for her. I, I don't think that Lena would have left her behind. I feel like she was like, no, not my robot friend. <laughs> <laughs> I must save her. And somewhere inside Hope, <laughs> Eve is like, excuse me? <laughs> um, at Frank Tall Inverter said, great episode. Biggest miss was not clearly enough visualizing them losing the battle of the tower. They should have shown the tower being wrecked as the numbers became overwhelming. Leaving at the point they did didn't make sense visually. Which I would actually agree with. Yeah, they gave up. They gave into the Dementors really fast. It was like <laughs> there was like two Dementors and they were like, sorry, I guess we can't save this tower. Everyone out. And I was like, really? All right. Um, <laughs> at Patty Mello 20 said, I loved how petty Lena was even in the face of the end of the world. <laughs> She's so committed to it. I really need them to stop hurting Kara. Hasn't she suffered enough? I need to know if Hope is okay. And also if they saved Lillian. We need Mama Luther. We didn't even talk about Lillian Luther. Yeah, I didn't think about it. But I feel like, listen, Lillian is like probably throwing somebody, like she's throwing elbows to get on one of those escapes. <laughs> She's like throwing a small child out of the way to dive on board. She, there's no way she didn't make it. Don't, don't worry. Lillian, Mama Luther be fine. <laughs> she is a survivor. I'm sure she's she made it out. She sure is. Uh, <laughs> um, at Chase Aphrodite said, why is Lena wearing Janet um, from the Good Places outfits? Uh, wait, if they went to another Earth, is Lena poor now? <laughs> 
Oh, so many good questions. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with Janet on The Good Place. I only watched a couple episodes. This person's not wrong because uh, Janet wears like a lot of those like like little vests over like button down shirts, which is seemingly Lena's like new I'm I'm mad at the world outfit choices. Like <laughs> she's like I need to put the vest over to hot to to. to like rein in my pain <laughs> so so it, it 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 she is where she is like rocking some janet realness i don't i don't know i mean is is does anyone have money um in this new reality <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen uh when everything's said and done with uh with crisis well at the end of okay we're still kind of talking about part one right now but skipping ahead to part three everything goes out of existence so I don't guess it really matters if Lena's poor or not. I don't think she exists anymore. Yeah, I, I don't like it. <laughs> they they need to fix it. <laughs> um, at Electra WWF said, how did the Legion get back to the 31st century if Brainy had the Legionship all this time? Wasn't Wynn piloting it at the end of season three? I think new Rachel said in the chat of the live show that Jesse Rath had explained that maybe in his Instagram post. But I don't know. I guess there was some sort of explanation for that, but I don't know where they were getting that. He did, he did put something on Instagram that said... Uh, my big behind-the-scenes contribution to Part One of Crisis on Infinite Earths was that the keys to the uh, the keys to the Legion ship, the second Legion ship, had to have a little key, a cat keychain. Um, and he posted a picture of some keys with a little cat that sort of looks like Streaky with three dots <laughs> on his head. But even so. Even if that's his explanation for why there was a Legion ship, when it was very clear at the end of season three that Wynn and Monel get into the Legion cruiser and they fly back into the future, that was the last time we saw the Legion cruiser. So they popped it back in to Crisis with no explanation, except for this one post on Instagram from Jesse Rath. That to me is. Uh, poor writing. Yeah, it was a little, it was confusing. So I guess that's the explanation. There are two Legion ships. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> My answer to that is okay. <laughs> um, oh, uh, they go on to say, aside from that, I love seeing the Titans verse, Tim Burton's bat verse, and the 60s bat verse at the beginning of the episode. Uh, at Zandani said, I really enjoyed it and have three major thoughts. One, it's weird that Kelly had the guardian shield and it came out of nowhere. Okay, can we talk about that really quickly? Because I don't think we talked about that on the live show. I don't think so either. What were your thoughts on, on Kelly having the guardian shield? So I didn't hate it, but I also was very confused by it. So I was like, whoa. I mean, I guess... On some level, it kind of makes sense that James would be like, hey, if you're going to live in National City, maybe you should have this thing that to save you from falling debris. And like, that's not the worst idea, uh, because debris fall so often there in National City. Uh, we've talked about the real estate market. So, <laughs> so I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense that he would leave her something that would help protect her. But like, has she had this for like, 
episodes now and just decided to use it like right now i mean i guess when the world is ending is the time that you're (laughs) gonna want to use it but there were probably some other times in a couple episodes ago that like she could have maybe pulled that out like when people were trying to kill her yeah didn't malefic didn't malefic try to kill her yeah i mean i think james was still around during the malefic trying to kill her phase but like there was def i feel like there was definitely a couple of situations where Kelly, like, pulling out a shield might have might have been somewhat helpful. My big problem with, with this was, and I did think it was cool that she had it. I think it makes sense. Yeah, it was, it was super cool. And it was nice to, like, give the, you know, the non-superhero characters. It was nice that they got some, she got something to do. That wasn't just like standing there going, oh no. Yeah, I think it makes sense. It, But it wasn't set up at all. It wasn't like before James left, he was like, hey, Kelly, I want to give you something. And like <laughs> gave her a little box and we didn't know what it was. But I also had a problem with it because I'm trying to square away the fact that she has this with the fact that she also has had a character arc this entire season of her being worried about Alex and being worried about Alex being out in the field and having this whole storyline about her problems with people being put in danger. And I'm like, well, but you have this guardian shield now that can do all this stuff. I don't know. I was having a really hard time making those two things go together. I mean, I I think to me, it doesn't bother me so much because it was more like, First, like, it was, like, the end of the world. <laughs> and she was more, prote- like, protecting herself and some other people with the shield versus, like, running into the danger. Like, there was no way to avoid the danger. Like, the whole world was collapsing. So, I mean, I guess I kind of understood it from that perspective. But I was just, I was surprised that she had it and that she just brought it out now. But if she was so worried about Alex being out in in the field for her job, why didn't she just give Alex the shield and be like, hey, I have issues with you being out in the field, but I would feel better if you had this shield with you all the time. Yeah, it does seem like the shield might have been something that would have been good to share with Alex when she was really nervous about her being out in the in the field. Like, he, here's a shield. It'll shield you. But she was like, no, listen, it's my shield and I really <laughs> like it. I mean, <laughs> I would share it with you, but like, look at how well it goes with my outfit. <laughs> the only <laughs> thing that really excites me about Kelly having the Guardian shield is that Guardian and the Newsboys is still a possibility. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm. L- let's keep that alive 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Danny goes on to say, number two, damn, Lena, you know how to hold a grudge. <laughs> Learn from Elsa and let it go. Uh, <laughs> and then number three, uh, Kara is going to need some major therapy after watching another world die. Yeah. Oh, poor Kara. Um, at Kagan Mayer, which I probably mispronounced that, uh, and I'm sorry, uh, said, I cannot believe they killed Oliver in the first hour. I'm so sad, and all I can think about is how Kara must feel after knowing that she could save, couldn't save four billion people. Kara really does take that. She's a character who really takes that in and really feels the uh, weight of what that would be like. So yeah, it's it's definitely something that that I think they did a, a fairly good job of is showing how Kara dealt with that. Um, 
But yeah, the the Oliver thing going in the first hour, that was a, a shocker to me as well. Yeah, that was very surprising. Um, at Cuban underscore Superman said, I thought Batwoman was unnecessarily insufferable. Almost every second she was on screen. It completely took me out of the show every time. Um, I guess not a big fan of Batwoman. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> which might not in this crossover. I don't know. I, I still... Confession is that I still haven't gotten to Batwoman yet, to starting Batwoman, so I don't know if this is like a, a good representation of what she's like on the show. I think she was fairly consistent, although I think she had a little uh, brighter, lighter side to her in the crossover. Um, and so speaking of which, maybe we should talk about Batwoman. So let's let's talk about part two and the Batwoman episode uh, so uh, let's go through some of those tweets, and I guess I will uh, do uh, will do the honors here. Um, at Mark HBPWM said, Melissa had three words. You mean trophies to convey us to convey to us that those weren't trophies like giant pennies and mechanical dinosaurs, but rather trophies or kills, uh, but rather trophies of kills, and that she was re- revulsed by them. And she nailed it. Yeah, Melissa did a, a good job in the crossover, um, especially in those moments where she, she figured out what was going on with old cranky Bruce Wayne. <laughs> At Patty Mello 20 said, I loved Kara and Kate working together. The Smallville cameo was short but amazing. Why kill Oliver just to bring him back with the pit? More scenes between Kara, Kate, and Sarah, please. Uh, and uh, also one question about, are Alex and Lena okay? Yeah, we didn't really get much uh, of Alex and Lena after that fir- first hour. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like they are okay. Because, <laughs> like, in the episode before, Alex was going to blow Lena up. And Lena, I think, as we well established, is not a person who, like, lets things go like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's going to take a lot of, like growing as a person and healing for Lena to be like, I'm okay that you were going to blow me up. And Alex to be like, hey, it's okay that you're going to mind control the world. And then they like hug it out. I feel like they <laughs> could get there. It's just going to take a while. And it's it, probably not if Lena listens to Hope. <laughs> Hope will be like, Lena, I have a suggestion. Why don't you blow her up? <laughs> Even at the end of the world, Lena wants to kill so or uh, Hope wants to kill somebody. <laughs> and did we talk about uh, Oliver dying and being brought back? Did we talk about that on the crossover? I think we might have talked about it a little bit. But, um, I mean, so, as context, I, I watched the first two seasons of Arrow, mostly because at the time I knew I was going to be on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, and I was like, I should probably know... Uh, some of the characters from Arrow. So I kind of wanted to like get the sort of 411 on what was going on on Arrow. And then I got through the first two seasons, thought, I've seen enough. I feel like I'm good. And then kind of <laughs> never never went back to, to continue watching. So um, I, I never made it to the magical pit of uh, resurrecting people uh, from the dead. Uh, it's amazing, and uh, it's a it's a it's a great concept. But uh, I so I was like, oh, they're gonna get the magical pit thing. 
Cool. Uh, so for me, I think it didn't have that, like, same resonance with people who probably watch Arrow, who know that there were, like, major repercussions to, like, bringing somebody back in the Lazarus pit. I was just like, yeah, of course that's what they're going to do. <laughs> they're going to bring him back in the magical pit of bringing people back from the dead. <laughs> like Sarah, like Sarah Lance has been, like, 500 times. <laughs> well, it was frustrating for me because... I love Laurel Lance. She was my favorite character on Arrow. And why didn't they just bring her back with one of these magical pits of uh, death reversal? Well, there's that point. Um, <laughs> and then the second one is that when she wanted to bring Sarah back, she wanted to bring her sister back with the Lazarus pits. Everybody berated her about it and just made her out to be this horrible, horrible person. And now when Oliver needs to be brought back, everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's a great plan. It's a great plan, Sarah. Let's do this. Let's let's just uh, go through this no problems. Well, wasn't, wasn't Sarah, like, the only one that was against it? Like, I feel like everybody else was like, let's do it. Let's bring him back. And Sarah was like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't. It wasn't, like, super fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> she did make that point that... Uh, you come back a little differently um, than you go in. Yeah, I just, I hate the Lazarus, the use of the Lazarus. They've overused the Lazarus pits on Arrow, for sure. But I at least like that when he, he's been brought back and he, he became the Spectre. Uh, so I think that's a, a good way to go about it because he's still dead. Like, he's not, <laughs> he's not coming back. He is just a different form now. Uh, even though I thought the exposition of explaining the Spectre was not great. I mean, I still don't really understand who the Spectre is or what the Spectre is. Like, I don't, they did give like a, they gave an exposition for it, but I don't feel like I learned anything from the exposition. I don't feel like it was well done exposition. I think I only went with it because I I know of the Spectre in the comics. And so I, I could kind of go with it. But yeah, they need to do a little bit better of that when when we see more of the Oliver Specter uh, moving forward. Hopefully, they'll uh, they'll get it to where everybody can understand. Well, uh, at Fractal Inverter said, "I've always been bothered by Welling refusing the suit, but clocking Lex made me forget uh, forgive him." Great Conroy Batman, great Routh Superman. Not certain about dragging Ollie through the pit. I feel it diminishes his death a bit. I also agree with that. Um, so we talked a little bit about Smallville on the crossover. Uh, so I don't guess we need to go through that too much. Um, did you want to have share any thoughts, more thoughts on Welling or Routh? Because we did talk about our reservations about the Superman in the crossover. I don't know if you want to uh, share some thoughts about how we actually receive them. I feel like that that um, the car and Supergirl got enough to do in the crossover that I never felt like, oh, this is the Superman show. And also, I guess Supergirl is there. So, and that was my main concern was that all the Supermen were going to be like taking over and it was going to feel like the Superman hour. And I don't think I ever really felt that way. I felt like a lot of the Superman stuff was very kind of cameo-ish, like this, like the Smallville cameo. I mean, I guess Brandon Routh's, um, sort of, was it Kingdom Come Superman? Yeah, yeah. Um, I felt like he was a more substantial character, but even he, I felt like, you know, he wasn't like a huge character. It was still sort of more focused on our main hero cast. So I was okay. <clears throat> I was generally okay with it, I think. I mean, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of Superman, but 
Supergirl still got enough to do, uh, unlike some of the crossovers we've had where she's just kind of like a minor, a minor character in the crossover. I feel like she had like a, she had like a real, you know, some real time to deal with some of the loss that she had, although maybe not enough to deal with the loss of Argo, (laughs) but at least like her world. And I think that, you know, seeing her struggle with the idea of trying to bring it back, um, was like was an interesting like act like character arc for her and that the stuff that she got to do with batwoman was interesting so at least i didn't feel like she was completely like off to a corner for the whole time yeah uh, the the first hour really ticked me off because i didn't think that Kara had enough time to deal with what had happened and it, it really bothered me that they didn't give her that 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 opportunity to grieve and mourn what what just happened because she lost her mother she lost her 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 whole kryptonian world she lost her 38 like everything went away and uh but the second hour made it up for me a little bit so i appreciated that and i agree with you i i think the fact that they made Kara a paragon that gave her more importance into what they're going for. And so that makes me feel better that the, the supermen are not taking over. Um, so that I, it's better than I expected it to be. And I will say the only, the only power, the only paragon that was Superman has now been replaced with Lex Luthor. Right. So, I mean, from here on out in the crossover, I would expect that she's probably going to be the only super for like maybe an episode or so. So yeah. I, I I feel okay with that. Yeah, I, I think they actually did a good job of balancing all that out. They gave the, the Superman something, you know, important to do. But I, I think Kara is actually the more important Kryptonian in the story, which I'm very grateful for. I think she actually had more to do in this crossover than she has in like seasons of Supergirl. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Probably, I mean, she's had she's. I feel like she's had more of a, a character arc and a journey in this cross in these three episodes of this crossover than she has all season. Well, at uh, Queen Anthe or Anthe said that was a million times better than part one. So much more emotion in the acting, so many great cameos, so much better character interactions, and all the music, the cameos, just epic. At have underscore geek said, enjoyed it, but the Smallville cameo did one thing that drove me crazy about the show. Clark losing, giving up his powers. It's Kryptonian physiology. If you don't want superpowers, Clark, move to a solar system with a red sun. Also, they talk and chill a lot for folks with a deadline. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess we did talk a little bit about the Smallville aspect of that, about how... It's basically kind of Smallville's MO to uh, make its entire existence irrelevant. I mean, that is the Smallville way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not to give away the ending of Smallville, which happened like 10 years ago. So (laughs) you had time. But like they, they kind of undercut the entire premise of the show in like the in like the series finale so the idea of them being like well you spent 10 years like seeing how superman becomes superman and then he just decides not to become superman (laughs) how do you feel about your time spent Uh, (laughs) feels like a very smallville thing to me i I was like i was like ah god bless you smallville You, you stay the same even even 
even under different showrunners 10 years later. At least they're consistent. There is a consistency there (laughs) that I appreciate. (laughs) And yeah, they did seem to to chill uh, a lot. Maybe, Maybe that Lois and Clark, maybe they don't work at the Daily Planet anymore. If he gave up his powers, does he really need to still... Yeah. I don't know. Work as a journalist? I mean, and uh, not not to get too into it, but that version of Lois never really, was never really super into journalism anyway, it didn't seem like. So I feel like she could have given that up pretty pretty easy. They seem to be pretty happy just chilling on they're the farm. Just, they're just super chilling on the farm. They're just lo- loving life. He's like, I'm just going to chop a bunch of wood. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. Good for them, I guess. Uh, at Shinko0278 said, is anyone going to tell Lena her brother is alive? And Kate, what you doing with that kryptonite? <laughs> uh, so that was, a, that was a question that a lot of us had after the second hour. But yeah, that's a good uh, question about Lena and Lex. Because uh, Kara did mention to Lex that uh, she thought that Lena had killed him. So that was something that was mentioned a little bit. Uh, okay, so let's uh, now wrap up the tweets from part three, which was the Flash episode. All right. Um, at Mark HBPWM said, I've tried to remain as unspoiled as possible. And one thing I never expected at all was Oliver becoming the new host for the Spectre. Also, I was very glad they remembered that Birds of Prey took place in New Gotham. Come back anytime, Ashley Scott, and bring on January 14th. Yeah, I was actually really excited about that Birds of Prey cameo. I was super excited about the Birds of Prey cameo because a couple of years ago, uh, like a Twitter friend of mine had been mentioning Birds of Prey and how fun it how fun it was and how like early 2000s WB. So I bought the DVDs and like watched it. And oh my God, that show is amazing. (laughs) The special effects aren't what I would consider to be great. But (laughs) if if you have a nostalgia for like the Michigan J frog dancing across the screen version of the WB where like they had five sets and everybody hung out at a bar slash coffee shop. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I don't know. The birds of prey might've actually been hanging out in the bronze for all I know. Uh, But like (laughs) it was very like, if you watched Buffy or you watched charmed, like it was the same vibe. And I was like, how did I miss this when it was on? I would have loved this show. Yeah. It's not, the best show in the world but it actually was pretty good i i always say it's a it was ahead of its time um because they actually have a whole arc for helena with uh with uh uh harley quinn and with her the you know the the murder of her mother of uh helena's mother selena kyle there's a really good arc that goes throughout that first season so i think it was actually really good and i was glad also to hear um deanna meyer as oracle we didn't get to see her but i was at least glad she got uh her voice in there that that made me really happy yeah that was awesome i i honestly wish that that little segment had been longer because i was so excited to see them that would be awesome but now they've been wiped away from existence womp womp um at sl fricky said uh kate telling cara she's got the biggest heart of anyone i've ever met is kind of a slap in the face of mary kate's stepsister who runs a secret clinic and gives out free medical care and has spent years trying to be a real sister to her oh man 
I mean, I, I feel like you shouldn't take it that way. Like she's, <laughs> she's being nice. She's not like accurately ranking all the people in her, in her way. <laughs> like when somebody tells me like, oh, you've got the best heart of anyone I know. I mean, I feel like you're probably not like including <laughs> like every single person they've ever come in contact with. <laughs> but I think it's a valid point. But it is a valid point. It is, it is a valid point. I would have been funnier if she was like, you've got the biggest heart of anyone i've ever met and then she turns to the camera and she's like even you mary <laughs> it's, this time it's personal <laughs> oh man um at sony Ravat 1997 says i know i may be biased here but would it be really selfish to see lena as paragon of humanity instead of some random guy i mean listen <laughs> I- Let's establish my bona fides. I love <laughs> Lena so much, so much. Um, I don't know that I would consider her at this present moment <laughs> to be the paragon of humanity. To just just to recap real quick, she was going <laughs> she's going to mind control everyone. Granted, it was to make them nicer but it's still mind control. And secondly, she got mad at a friend of hers and then she installed a robot into that friend's body. (laughs) Now, granted, it's a cool robot and she really likes the robot, but still... (laughs) I mean, maybe that is a... Maybe that's kind of a a thing to say about humanity. Like, none of us are perfect. Some of us, like Lena, have science murdered a guy before. (laughs) I mean, I mean, all good who points. Among us hasn't occasionally <laughs> of a Friday night <laughs> uploaded your favorite AI into the body of your frenemy? Uh, <laughs> Judge not. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very good point. I I think that Lena does have a lot of. I mean, she is human. But I don't think she's the best example of humanity. Uh, 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 that humanity has to offer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, at DJ Writer said, there are no words to describe how epic. Um, at Chase Aphrodite says, can't believe they chose a random guy from another Earth to be the paragon of humanity instead of... Alex, Lena, Lois, Diggle, and Lex as a paragon? I know it's a comic adaptation, but really? And what is his role in it? Because so far, he just messed up. I mean, to be fair, Lex did, like, write himself into the narrative, Hamilton style. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't, like, an originally chosen... He's not He's not the original Broadway version of the paragons. Like, he's not the original <laughs> Broadway cast. He's a, a late addition. <laughs> So would he still be the paragon of truth, though? Or did he rewrite? I feel like he's probably the paragon of truth. But it would be funny if he rewrote it. Because apparently you can just do, you can just grab a Sharpie and, like, change that. (laughs) So it would be fun if he, like, was like, I'm the paragon of, like, really cool suits. But, I mean, he does sort of fit the paragon of truth. Because he's the one who told Lena the truth about Kara's identity. That's true. And he is he is telling the truth as he sees it. That's that that is also true. <laughs> is it the real truth? I mean, it's as he sees it. <laughs> <laughs> um at Kagan Mayer said, so speechless after this episode. 
Do we really have to wait a whole month for the last episodes? But on the bright side, Lex taking Superman's place means that he can't overshadow Kara because now she is the most powerful one of them. All right, so let's get into some emails. So Mark wrote in with some thoughts on part one, saying, uh, uh, giving us some points. So the first one is, when the Monitor's giant tower sprang up, I thought it was going to turn into a tuning fork for merging the Earths, much like in the original comics. Uh, that's a good catch. I'm actually rereading Crisis now uh, because it's been ooh, uh, maybe 14, 13, 14 years since I read Crisis on Infinite Earth. So uh, I, I need to look for that as I reread. Uh, good point. Uh, number two, did someone forget that the Atom can shoot power blasts from his gauntlets? There didn't seem much uh, other. <laughs> uh, there didn't seem to be much other reason for him to be in the battle with the Shadow Demons except to supercharge that battering. He should have joined in the attack at least once, even if they uh, if they didn't have the money for more blast effects. So I will say I respect that the crossover has really committed to Legends of Tomorrow's. Um, whole thing, which is like, I mean, they're superheroes, but are they? <laughs> Do they have powers? <laughs> I think that's the first time I've seen him add him up in like a season and a half. So I was confused. I was like, what is this suit he's got, Ray's got on? I don't get it. So he doesn't even wear the suit anymore? I mean, it's so infrequent. It's so infrequent. They don't have, the, I guess they don't have the budget to make him tiny. So they're like, does he need the suit? <laughs> I thought, for some reason, I thought he, he didn't go tiny anymore, but maybe he still wore the suit. Man. Yeah, that's, there's not a lot of, like, there's not a lot of suits or or, or very expensive special effects on on the uh, the shoestring budget that Legends is clearly <laughs> working with. So uh, that was, it was exciting just to see them do superhero stuff. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Mark has a, a third point saying, I loved the opening cameos, especially when the Tim Burton Gotham City shot came up with that music, followed shortly by the Neil Hefty Batman theme. Uh, and he has a fourth point saying, for those of us who watch Titans, we can relax as Jason Todd appears to be dead. Uh, that's probably uh, something that we could also kind of throw to the Titans podcast peeps. Uh, they have a fierce and uh, combative, I think, Jason Todd debate on that podcast. Uh, I am not a huge fan of Jason Todd, so I would not probably be opposed to him being dead. But uh, he's he's been okay on the show, so I, I I've been I've been fine with him in that uh, Titans world. So yeah, I, the Titans thing was kind of just thrown in there. I was not expecting Titans to be connected to the Arrowverse. So that was interesting. Uh, Mark closes out with uh, saying, I do res I do regret that we didn't get the big quote. I am the Monitor, and I have brought you here because your universes are about to die unquote speech uh yeah i mean they can play they can play around with some of that dialogue if they want uh so new rachel wrote in to say what would happen to a phantom zone that belonged to a universe that was wiped out of existence due to crisis on infinite earths would it too be wiped out or would it be untethered from anything unable to be access uh, accessed would it be transferred to another universe as long as there was a means to open an entrance to it? Are all our alternative universes connected by the same Phantom Zone? Is the Phantom Zone like the vanishing point, a place where people could have been moved into to avoid the antimatter wave? 
I don't have any of these answers myself, so I thought I would turn to you ladies to shed some light on this situation. That's a really good question that I had not thought of until the email. I am assuming that the only things the the only things that are disappearing are the the actual Earths, I think. Are the Phantom Zones like by no, I guess not, right? They're not by Earth. They're no, like I think pocket. it's like, yeah, I think it's like a, a different Although uh, existing they're, place. They're like the Earths in alternate realities, right? So are they just wiping out the Earth or are they wiping out the whole of the reality? I think they're just sucking out the Earth. Like is Mars toast? Did like po- did poor Malefic just, just get to Mars and he's like, ah, darn. <laughs> yeah, I- <laughs> I finally am gonna redeem myself and go back to help my five uh, help my people fight. He gets there to like he's giving like a like a dramatic speech <laughs> to like the rebels and he like Magon's like yeah go and he's like we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna make it right and then he looks up everything turns around and he goes oh toots <laughs> <laughs> and there goes Mars. <laughs> That's a really good question. I am gonna go under the presumption that they're just taking out earth that seems reasonable although i like the idea that new rachel poses here that all of the universes are connected through one phantom zone kind of like when you're like staying in a hotel and they've got those two doors where you can like run back and forth between the rooms (laughs) And, and i like that idea because like imagine like in each reality say like Malefic is kind of is kind of evil and then he gets tossed into the phantom zone and he was like me and the other one's like me <laughs> it's just all one one general phantom zone <laughs> for every universe that is a good question we're, we're gonna have to think on that i know i don't think that they're gonna address it on the show. <laughs> probably not <laughs> what happened to the phantom zones um so she goes on to say, also, if any of the other Supergirl characters could have been Paragons, what qualities would they be Paragons of and why? Oh, and P.S. She said, loved hearing Morgan's hope voice in the live show. Thanks, Rachel. This is a big <laughs> hit. Everybody loves the hope voice. Um, okay, so let's run through the seven Paragons uh, really quickly. Who who else would you cast as these Paragons? So the Paragon of Hope. If it was someone other than Kara, who would you pick? For the Paragon Someone of Hope. other than Kara. From the I, Supergirl TV from series. From the Supergirl TV series. Hope, hope, hope. What if I pick <laughs> Hope? <laughs> I, I think, I mean, to me, she is, she's very hopeful. She hopes that everything goes the way that Lena wants it to go. And I think that that's like, that's really supporting your friend. And I, and I, I think that's a very hopeful, <laughs> I just like the, the symmetry of her being named Hope and being the paragon of Hope. That's not probably a real answer, but. It's what I've got. <laughs> well, I was going to go Cat Grant because she gave a lot of, like, encouraging speeches to Kara. She did. She sure did. <laughs> but I also like the idea that Hope does have hope. She just hopes that Supergirl will die. <laughs> uh, so that's also a thing. And that no one will ever be mean or hurt Lena ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so Like she was programmed to. <laughs> Uh, so that makes sense. Okay, so the Paragon of Truth. Who would you put in that role? Um, Paragon of Truth. I think 
I like your, so I can see, I can see your ideas and I'm going to steal this one. I like your idea of Lois Lane. I don't, I can't think of anybody who's, I mean, I can also see Cat Grant in this one though, I think. Yeah. I think, you know, Cat Grant was kind of a, you know, shoot straight from the hip, tell you like it is. Um, and Lois Lane, obviously, that's her whole deal, so. Yeah, Lois Lane is always about the truth. That's why I kind of think it sucks that the Superman 96 was the paragon of truth, because he was still hiding his identity from people, so he wasn't really telling the truth. But Lois Lane, that's her whole, that's her whole deal. She is a, a truth seeker, so that's who I would put in the uh, paragon of truth. Uh, paragon of destiny. Who? Destiny. Um... Hmm. I feel like this could be either, hmm, like either Nia or Brainy. And I feel like I'm only saying Brainy because he he knows the future. And that's not the same as Destiny, but it kind of feels similar. I was going to say Nia because she sort of like uh, pushed back against her destiny a little bit because she always thought Maeve was the one who was supposed to get the powers. But I like your connection with Brainy and the future. So, good choice on that one. Uh, Paragon of Courage. Hmm. Paragon of Courage. I feel like Nia for this one or Alex. I was going to go Alex, but uh, I don't know if there's so... I mean, maybe Kelly now with the Guardian Shield. Yeah. She was pretty courageous. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of good uh, choices for Paragon of Courage. Uh, okay, so Paragon of Humanity. We debated this a little bit with Lena earlier. Who who would you actually <laughs> put in there? Um, the Paragon of Humanity. I, you know who I, I'm almost, I've almost convinced myself that, that Lena would actually be a good <laughs> Paragon of Humanity. Because I feel like in, in Lena is kind of all the good and bad parts of, of humanity. That's like, true. Like, she is, like, she wants to help people. Uh, she's just gonna go about it the way that she thinks it should be done uh, without consulting other people. And she thinks that she's right, even though she's, like, not willing to listen. She gets hurt really easily, but she also loves really hard. Uh, so I think that, I, yeah, I think that she's kind of like humanity, where she's trying her best, and she's not succeeding, like, in that Coldplay song. <laughs> <laughs> but she's gonna try to fix you. She's gonna try to fix you. <laughs> I was gonna say James, but now I'm wondering if... Because uh, we were talking a little bit about Kelly's. Are are we talking about other Earths, uh, Ke- like Kelly Kelly's? You know, like OG Kelly? OG Kelly, maybe OG Kelly on some other planet is like leading a resistance or something. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. We don't know her whole deal. We never knew her whole deal. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say she could have been the paragon of humanity. That's that's what I want to say for that one. I think that seems right. Paragon of love. Who would you put in there? Paragon of love is a surprisingly tough one. Um, maybe Alex. I feel like she real like she really loves her sister, and she really wants to be like a mother and and then like love a child and. She's looking, you know, she's looking for, like, a partner. She she seems like she's a really good girlfriend in all of her relationships. 
So, yeah, I mean, she also does jump into relationships awfully fast. She loves love. Uh, <laughs> so I think, you know, on the romantic and the, uh, like, familial, like, relationship, you know, friendship, siblings, I think that maybe, maybe Alex, I mean, she's, she's very courageous, so I think that she would be a good paragon of courage, but I also think that she, you know, a, a lot of her courage comes from trying to save the people she loves. I mean, she does love her family, except... Except for Jeremiah Danvers, <laughs> who, who she was gonna find, but she just got so busy. Is <laughs> she thing? really... It was on the top of her list. She was gonna get to it. She's just been... She's working... She's working at that to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) I am wondering if we can fit Brian the alien into the Paragon (laughs) of Love, because he he really enjoyed Alex and Maggie's relationship. That's true. So, uh, I'm gonna say Brian the alien there. Oh, yeah. He was was rooting for him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. So, last one. Paragon of Honor. This is a hard one. I think I'm going to go Jean. I mean, okay. sure, he did a couple of things that weren't honorable uh, this season, we found out. But he did, like, he owned up to them. And he was a, a pretty good director of the DEO, even though he was technically pretending to be a person that he wasn't. <laughs> but, listen, let's put that aside. It's not He's not the paragon of truth here. He's the paragon of honor. I feel like he's a, he's a very honorable person. Yeah, I... Well, isn't he actually the Paragon of Honor? I think oh he my actually... Oh, you're right. <laughs> so I I agree with the show, in fact, is what I'm saying. And also, apparently, I don't remember who all the Paragons are. Well, it's a lot to keep up with. It was a lot to keep up with. it, And and to be fair to me, they didn't do much with John during the crossover, despite, <laughs> despite the fact that he was our pretty much Supergirl's only tie to this crisis storyline. <laughs> Because they were testing him to literally do nothing for, like, three episodes so far. I assume he's going to be a big part in the the last uh, couple of episodes of Crisis. I feel like he's going to have to be. Yeah. Is it bad that I'm having trouble with figuring out who is an honorable character on Supergirl? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, it's it's tough. It's tough. They're all honorable in their in their way. I mean, the only one I really could think of was Colonel Haley because I thought she actually was honorable. Like she she tried to do her job the best she could. She tried to uh, follow orders, but then she also tried to go her own way when she felt it was the right thing to do. So I guess I'm going to go Colonel Haley, but it, it really bothers me that I have a hard time thinking of honorable characters on the show. That that does not speak well to the characterizations <laughs> of these characters. All right, well, uh, let's get to an email from Alex who writes, quote, one of the complaints this season, particularly with Supergirl, was the subpar special effects. I guess they were saving it up for the crossover. Although there are so many characters with so many side stories, it's hard to keep up. My favorite moment of the first three crossover episodes was Kate Kane and Supergirl meeting up with future multiverse Bruce Wayne and Batman. The storyline of Bruce Wayne's descent into darkness was great. It was a nice reminder of the differences between vigilantes motivated by anger and revenge and heroes motivated by humanity. Hearing Kevin Conroy voicing Batman again in the horror of Kara's face while seeing Bruce's 
Bruce's, quote, trophy case, unquote, of dead adversaries was great. This was also a nice lesson to Kate that, like all vigilantes, she is just one bad day away from crossing the line onto the dark side, and there will be no, no going back when she, once she does. Best cameo was easily Lucifer. Didn't know he would be on. I could listen to Lucy and Constantine talk to each other all day. Although Burt Ward's uh, cameo was also hilarious, unquote. Yeah, I think uh, the the stuff with Kate and Carl, that probably was my favorite aspect, I think, of the Crisis uh, episodes, like the first three parts uh, in general, was just the Kate and Kara stuff. Mine as well, I think. Um, so Elena writes, I have to say the buildup for crisis has kind of frustrated with, has kind of frustrated me with both Barry and Oliver knowing how big of a threat this is on a multiverse level, their lack of urgency to want to prepare and prepare others like Supergirl and the legends annoys me. Heck, they should have at least already called each other and already have it be all hands on deck from across the shows, especially with them knowing how important they both are to the Monitor. And now Supergirl lost another planet because no one bothered to tell them about Crisis. I, yeah, you know what? Like a phone call would have been great, probably. (laughs) That's a good point because they could have gone ahead and evacuated the Earth to somewhere else, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Um, and it's weird, too, because the whole season of The Flash is very, like, I'm going to die. This is just a thing that's going to happen. That I'm going to die. This is it. And so he's he he is training his own people. Like, he is trying to get them to make sure that they can carry on without him. So he did prepare his people. He just didn't prepare anyone else. <laughs> All right, well, Comic Geek Kev wrote in saying, quote, I know there has been talk of there only being one Earth at the end of the crisis, but I think there will be at least a couple. Having all of these characters on one world seems impossible. What about people who are evacuating their worlds? Did those billions from Earth 38 come to Earth 1? Are we going to see doppelgangers of regular people? Will there be more Kellys? More Lenas? <laughs> a good Eve Tessmacher? Unquote, uh, good questions. Uh, I think, well, and it depends if the doppelgangers made it, I think, uh, would be the thing, uh, depending on who got evacuated and when. So, but, but that's a good question. I don't know what they're going to go with in terms of crisis and how many Earths remain. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 going to be open-minded to see what they do in terms of bringing Earths back, because... I, I kind of think that they shouldn't bring Earths back, but they kind of have to now that they've killed everyone off <laughs> in the era of Earths. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where we're going to land when it all comes at the end of the the crossover. I, but I, I do feel like maybe they'll maybe there will still be multiple Earths. <laughs> Uh, So Courtney set in a list of some things we've lost with the demise of Earth-38. I feel like we should put... um... I feel like we should put, like, uh, Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You to underscore. I will remember you. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely should. That would be hilarious. I will remember you. Will you remember me? So she goes on to say, I started thinking of things lost when Earth-38 was gone. Kara's apartment, and for that matter, 
everyone's apartment. Uh, <laughs> Cora's day job. Uh, and I'm going to put in parentheses that she never went to. Uh, <laughs> Cora doesn't even miss that one. Uh, <laughs> Eliza's proof of her doctorates and photos of Jeremiah and her lovely home in Midvale. Uh, don't, don't worry, like, no one remembers Jeremiah anymore. <laughs> They're gonna let that that one stick, at least. In the, in the, when they come back, they're like, Jeremiah who? Um, <laughs> everyone is basically homeless and jobless. At least, there are still desks in the world. Uh, or are there? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Lena doesn't have Elcorp anymore. For her evil mad scientist experiments. <laughs> uh, Luther, secret hideouts, gone. Will Earth-1 Luthers and Earth-38 Luthers fight over property rights? <laughs> uh, did Leviathan just get wiped from existence? <laughs> um, Andrea, William, Franklin, and everyone at CatCo. What was the point of Andrea and William's storyline? We'll never know. Cat <laughs> uh, Grant, Lucy Lane, and James. Maybe Earth One has Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen and the Newsboy Legion. Well, not anymore. Not anymore, though. <laughs> Do -do -do, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's that's a good that's a, a couple of good points. Like the Invisible Luther Mansion, gone, <laughs> gone. Ah. Oh. Heartbreaking. The Leviathan storyline we've been going through this whole season feels Goodbye. a little pointless now. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where's your control of the Earth now, Ramakan? There's no <laughs> Earth. <laughs> they did, in, 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 a, in a real way, they just defeated Leviathan. <laughs> Can't blow up the Earth if there is no Earth, dude. <laughs> Good point. Well, Yvette wrote in and said, quote, Overall, I enjoyed Crisis, though I think things moved a bit too fast. Kara lost her mother and her planet for a second time, but she barely had time to process that before Oliver Queen is guilt-tripping her on his deathbed, and she's going on a trip through the multiverse with Kate. I'm here for the Kara-Kate friendship, though, and I hope they have their own crossover at some point. Just don't tell Lena that Kara trusts Kate with Kryptonite, unquote. Oh, yeah. Don't mention oh, that to no. Lena. Oh, that would be bad. Um, I thought it was interesting in the uh, Aftermath special with Kevin Smith, uh, they were talking about how they were setting up Kara and Kate to become the new Barry and Oliver for the crossovers. Because, you know, previously in other crossovers, there was a through line where it was sort of about Barry and Oliver and kind of what they were going through. Well, now, now that Oliver is no more... That's going to now become Kate and Carl, which I think is neat. I'm, I think that's a good idea. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so Daryl wrote in asking, did anyone else scratch their heads at the Batwoman timeline? In last season's crossover, she seemed pretty well established, yet she gets pulled from her season one plot for Crisis. 
the Batwoman of last year seemed well past season one? So this is a really good question. And I didn't know exactly the answer because, again, I've only watched the first two episodes of Batwoman. So uh, I reached out to OG Rachel over at the Batwoman podcast uh, to ask her about this question. And she said, quote, according to the showrunners, Elseworlds took place between episodes four and five after Magpie and before the Alice's backstory episode. Apparently, they said something in episode five that was supposed to indicate that Elseworlds had taken place, but I didn't catch it. I think they intended Crisis to take place in the show's real time, so right after their mid-season finale, episode eight, unquote. So I hope that makes sense. That's what Rachel uh, shared with me, and that's what I'm going to go with because I have not seen anything past episode two, so hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I haven't watched anything at all. So I didn't pick that up at all, but like that, it seems like a really a valid question. And we have two voicemail callers about crisis and we're going to start with JT from Canada. And then we're really going to go on an emotional journey with Leto after he uh, calls in uh, uh, after part one and then he calls in after part two and then he calls in after part three. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Hi, my name is JT. I'm calling from Canada. I'm- Wow, tonight's episode of Crisis on Infinite Earth. I mean, holy frack. I, I, I can't believe how dark this series is getting. The hope is really needs to be shone through in the next two episodes. The hope needs to come alive again, especially after tonight. Oh, but I'm so pleased at the cameos that they've managed to bring into this series. I mean, Tom Welling, oh, bless his heart. Just that was that was amongst the best that they've had to show us so far. But oh, we really need hope now. We need hope more than ever after this after tonight. And I just I just hope that's that's what happens. Thank you. Ladies Star, what's going on? It's Lito from Twitter. Here we go. Officially in the crisis mode. Um, I have to say, I, 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 I loved it, but I also was surprised at how much I felt like it didn't live up to what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, realistically, this is the first part of a five-hour movie, right? It's supposed to be a five-hour-long epic. And so the first hour was good. It was obviously a lot of setup, a lot of fill-in-the-blanks from the, you know, the, the holes of the uh, the seasons of all the shows. Um, I did say, I will say that I absolutely loved seeing Alexander Knox pop back up from the 89 Batman. I love the use of the music from all of the eras of uh, the, the different uh, series and the different uh, mediums from the movies and TV shows, the uh, Earth 66, Burt Ward, um, I did find it interesting, though, that uh, when we saw Earth-89, right, the um, the Michael Keaton Batman universe, that when you look up in the sky, and he's, uh, when Knox saw the uh, bat symbol, it wasn't the 89 Batman uh, symbol or logo, should I say. It was the, it looked more like the Batman Beyond uh, Superman, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Batman Bat, instead of the uh, 89 Batman Bat which I thought was an interesting Easter egg. I loved a lot of the choices. Um, I will say also that I am 
I don't know. I didn't realize that I, I was feeling this way, but I think I'm 100% over the petty Lena. Lena. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, uh, I understand they're trying to keep her in this state of uh, anger and bitterness and to sort of create the tension of former friendship for beyond the crisis for Supergirl. Um, and, you know, to a degree, I can understand that, but I just feel like it, it doesn't feel very normal or very grounded in the sense where I just feel like a normal person, a normal friend who may have been lied to like that. Um, obviously, this is, you know, fantastical when it comes to superheroes and identities and powers and all this stuff. But, I mean, like, come on, girl. You got to, like get over it a little bit and try to put yourself in the other person's shoes and use your empathy muscle if you have one. Um, so I just, that part kind of like, you know, they had to throw in the elements of, of the, of the, of the threads of the season long arcs for some of these characters inside the crisis. I was expecting it more to be just all about crisis. Um, but again, you know, like I said, the first hour, but let us talk about that death or the supposed death of our beloved intrepid, I don't know, I can't think of any other name to call the guy, but Oliver Queen, right? First of all, I have to say I do not think he's dead, like officially dead, or at least that he will stay dead. Um, I'm pretty sure at some point he'll return or come back or something. Uh, there's no way in the first hour that they're just going to kill him off like that, especially in that manner. I mean, it, what he did was very noble, but I think just because the way these things are shot, you know, you, you don't, you just see him on the empty rooftop, obviously, slinging arrows at the demons and stuff. Uh, it just felt a little uh, anticlimactic in a sort of sense. I was surprised at the timing of it. That was the more shocking part. I was surprised that it happened so quickly and so soon and that that was going to be the way that he goes out, which tells me that there has to, there has to be more to it. Um, so I loved all the Superman stuff. I loved all the Lois stuff. Uh, they're really uh, going deep with that character, and I'm very much excited for the, sh the Superman show coming next year. Um, I, 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 you know, I did love it. Don't get me wrong. I, I loved it in a lot of ways. It brought my childhood to life in a lot of ways, and I think it's great that they're doing this. But it also did feel, I don't know, I just felt like it didn't have the oomph, the punch, as, uh, the, let's say, uh, you know, Earth X uh, crossover did that first episode, or even the Elseworlds first episode did. Um, so I'm hoping for the best for tomorrow and Tuesday's episodes. I'm I'm sh more than sure they will wow us in, in crazy, unexpected ways. Um, the cameos were fantastic, and I can't wait to see more. But you know, I'm I'm it's weird. Maybe I should watch it a couple more times, and then you know maybe I'll have a different verdict. But I I liked it, and I, I kind of loved it. But I, I just felt like there was just, there was just something missing. Anyway, talk to you girls later. Bye. RJMG of SGR, here we go again. It's your boy Lito from Twitter, and I, ah, I'm full of emotion right now. Let's just start at the end, right? Let's just go straight to the last part where we saw our brand new hero Batwoman rocking that little kryptonite thing that she got off of dead Bruce Wayne, the hopeless curmudgeon Bruce Wayne, I like to call him. Um, what is the setup with that? What is What was the point of that? Uh, I just don't understand why she even swiped it off of his 
of the suit there in the beginning, in the first place. Um, so, overall, I thought the episode was great. Um, I thought it had way more uh, fun action moments and fun comedic moments versus uh, last night's episode that I think had way more emotional stuff. Uh, you know, the, 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 from yesterday, that whole, you know, Carson Mills putting the baby in the pod, the conversation between Carr and Carson on the balcony, the whole Sarah and Oliver conversation, all those things were very emotional, very deep for the fans. I think this was a lot of uh, service for the fans in the sense of cameos and bringing people back, like, of course, Tom Welling. Um, as far as Tom Welling goes, as far as Smallville goes, I am a huge Smallville fan. I know almost every episode by heart, not by name, but by uh, content. And it was, you know, it was bittersweet, you know, because in a sense we're saying goodbye, finally, the final chapter of that universe and that Clark and that Superman. But, you know, I wanted to see more of Tom and more of Erica and more of something. I wanted it to be more, but I... I understand, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into it. But, like, I just wish there was more from the Smallville side of it. Uh, the Superman versus Superman fight was epic. Brandon Ralph did look humongous in his Superman suit. He looked super jacked. I love the uh, Lois and uh, Iris together. I just, uh, I loved it. I wasn't a big fan of the bringing Oliver back so soon. I, I you know, I was like, why, like, why already? Like, why kill him so soon? But now why bring him back so soon? I kind of just was waiting, waiting to get back to Kara and for, you know, waiting to get back to Clark and, and Clark and Superman and all that stuff. So overall, better than the first one. But again, it still feels like it's still just set up for whatever's coming tomorrow night and, of course, next year. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm all full of emotions. But um, I can't wait to hear what you guys think. Holy crap. Oh, my God. Let's go. My adrenaline is super pumped. Ladies of SGR, it's your boy Lito. Oh, what? Yes, everything. It was it was the best. It was great. It was it was the it was the best hour of this entire thing, and it 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 made the other two worth watching just so we could get here. Of course, they saved the best for Flash. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I literally just finished watching it. It was so good. Oh, that moment between uh, Batwoman and Supergirl. I mean, you could, it's a testament to the actors that they can make a, an insane, intense, awesome moment when literally just two people are standing still staring at each other and just barely, like, moving their lips. And it was it was amazing. Oh, uh, Brandon Routh, Superman, rest in peace, or whatever, Lex Luthor, that twist at the end. Oh, uh, Cress Williams saying, my family. Oh, there's Nancy Barry Allen dying. Oh, Jesus Christ, it was so good. It was so, so Vibe is back. Oh, Iris dying. Superman nodding at her at the end. I mean, just like it was, it was the best. It was the best. I loved it. I loved it. I'm gushing. I'm fanboying out. But it was great, man. It was so great. And I can't wait for next year. Uh, can't wait to hear what you think. Uh, so JT, uh, when he called in, he said he's pleased with the cameos uh, that they managed to get in and hopes that some hope will shine through after all the tragedy that has gone gone through uh, during crisis. And I'm sure that, you know, the paragon of hope, she's going to make that happen. They're going to say the word hope a lot. So I, I don't think we're going to be missing out on the hope that will be coming uh, so uh, keep your fingers crossed on that. And Leto points out that the bat signal on Earth-89 wasn't actually the Michael Keaton bat symbol. And that actually is correct. I think it's actually supposed to be the Batwoman symbol. It looked like the Batwoman uh, symbol to me. Um, and Leto, Leto is also over Petty Lena. 
Uh, Morgan, do you have any thoughts on Petty Lena? Um, besides the fact that I love her. <laughs> Listen, I, I respect anybody who can commit so hard to a grudge that she doesn't care that the world is literally ending. Like, <laughs> like oh, oh, you thought we were going to be friends because we're about to die and be incinerated with all of humanity? Uh, guess again. I'm still upset. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not over Petty Lena. I'm still really into Petty Lena. Me too. Uh, so before we wrap up our feedback, we need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. All right. So our first snap judgment is from Cynthia, who says... Who do you think was more confused by what was happening in crisis? Ryan Choi, paragon of humanity, or Morgan, who isn't caught up on all the shows? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good snap judgment, Cynthia, and a good question. <laughs> I'm going to actually say Ryan Choi because they came to him out of nowhere and he had no idea what was going on. At least you had some sort of working knowledge of the characters in the world and what was happening. But I don't think poor Ryan Choi had a had a clue as to what was going on. Did he even know that there was a thing called the multiverse? I don't think so. And I think that gives me a leg up because yeah. I did know that there was a thing called the multiverse, <laughs> Cynthia. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, although it is a, is a tight race, I think I will also go with Ryan Choi because I did not... Like, I pick up from Twitter osmosis most a good chunk of what's going on, on on some of the shows. Like, I know some stuff. I just didn't know all the stuff. <laughs> like, I, did, I didn't know that Oliver had a daughter from the future who, sh like, pew-pew, shoots arrows. That was news <laughs> to me. Uh, and I was surprised by it. Uh, <laughs> but Ryan Choi didn't know anything. He was like, who's Oliver Queen? I've never seen his bad wigs. And guess who has? <laughs> this one over here. <laughs> I, I've earned the right to be the second most confused person going into crisis. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so our last snap, snap judgment is from Anna. Who says, what do you think Lena was doing as she died? This is grim. Letting Alex hold her while whispering, I'm still not your friend. <laughs> or frantically pushing her watch and screaming Kara's name, hoping she would show up and save her. This, Anna, can I ask you a snap judgment? <laughs> Who hurt you? <laughs> I don't have options. This is just brutal. This is this is this is by far the darkest snap judgment. Congratulations, Anna. This is the darkest snap judgment I've ever had to consider. Rebecca, um, I like the first option where she is still whispering, "I'm still not your friend." That seems to me more character correct. Yeah, I so I want to go with the first option. But the second one makes me cry a little bit. So that's probably the one I'm picking because I also have problems. It's not just you, Anna. <laughs> now, now my feelings hurt. No judgments on your snap judgments. 
Oh man, what a bru- what a brutal snap judgment. <laughs> what a way to leave off. <laughs> And we're closing the episode. (laughs) (laughs) And that is going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Crisis on Infinite Earths Parts 1 through 3. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can uh, post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail like JT and Lito did, you can call in at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at supergirlradio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. Uh, We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser. And we are on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find all the links to everything I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Mark for the DC TV plug. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, or just podcasts about it, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, or classic DC TV shows, or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Stargirl shows, you can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, but only until January 1st, 2020. Uh, I've decided that I'm going to pull the plug on my Twitter account. This is going to happen. Whoa. I think it has to happen. In some ways, you're going into 2020 like a clean slate starting the year out right <laughs> cutting off twitter yes <laughs> when you now now in the future when rebecca says don't at me she's being <laughs> quite literal <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i just i made this personal uh promise to myself that i was just gonna you know i don't need that stress i don't need that screen time it takes up too much of my time and it's frustrating and I think I'm just, I'm going to just, we're, we're going to, we're going to get rid of it. Um, so you can follow me until then, but I won't be really <laughs> tweeting anything because I'll be on vacation. So really, uh, there's not going to be much uh, from me uh, until, uh, uh, but I'll still kind of be tweeting from the Supergirl Radio account. And you can still follow me. You definitely follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid because uh, I'm very active there. I like to post a lot of pretty pictures. And if you're on Vero, if that's a thing that you're into, because I love Vero, uh, you can follow me on Vero still. So you can still keep up with me. I'm just not going to be on Twitter uh, uh, personally. So that is. Uh, just be aware that this can be the last time I, I plug my Twitter account because it is going to go away. End of an era. <laughs> you can still find me on Twitter because I cannot, uh, I cannot escape the screaming void that is Twitter. <laughs> uh, it's, it's got, it's too late for me. Rebecca, I think so Rebecca's going to be able to save herself. It's too late <laughs> for me. So if you're, if it's also too late for you, you can follow me at Mojotastic. Uh, and let's uh, let's just all be there in the darkness together, um, <laughs> which I think is Twitter's official like slogan. Um, <laughs> you can also find me on Instagram, a, a less stressful place to be. I'm also at Mojotastic there. Uh, and you can find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Our motto is 
we're going to do an episode. <laughs> and then just a bunch of dots, dot, 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 dot. Maybe I'm lying. Uh, uh, <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow will be back in January. So at that point, we will be doing episodes. Uh, I think the game plan is probably to do one before it comes back officially. Because I feel like we have a on the Legends podcast a lot of legends stuff to talk about um, with the crisis. And probably will when it comes back. So the best way to know when we're dropping a new episode is really to subscribe to the Legends of Tomorrow podcast because then it just kind of magically appears for you. There you go. Yeah, I would love to hear the legendary ladies talk about Crisis and uh, the fact that the Adam got to do things and <laughs> what what the dilemma is with Sarah and the Lazarus Pit. I think you guys have a lot to talk about. The the Mick the Mick stuff. We had Mick and a baby. I mean, what's not to like? <laughs> yeah, I would be looking forward to that because even though I don't watch the show, I still listen to the podcast and enjoy your episodes. So I I think you should. Do, I I don't want to tell you how to do the podcast, but I think I would be into it. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode on the crisis feedback that we got from everybody on parts one through three. And uh, just so that everybody knows, we as Supergirl Radio will not be back with new episodes of our podcast until we get new episodes of the TV stuff, uh, because we're just going to take a break. This is the one time a year that we allow ourselves to have a hiatus of break time. Uh, because people are traveling and vacation is happening. Uh, so we uh, won't be back until we get new episodes of Crisis. Uh, but until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Lennon. And we wish you a very merry Crisis and a happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>